Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Disjaltic Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Ah! Crazy! How goes it on this beautiful Thursday night, good sir? It goes, my friend, it goes. This, of course, is a Thursday Night Hangout. This is a show where myself, the host, Charlie, and the prolific cover himself, Zelius, uh, try to cover, or try our best to cover all the topics that are most important to you this week. If... By some unfortunate happenstance, you have not yet submitted your topic, question, or opinion. Please, you could do so by hitting it up in the chat. Um, we are currently stream streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. So hopefully we'll see all of the um, the chats there. But just in case, I do have them off to the side as well on another computer just to keep an eye. But anyways. Sir, how many computers do you have? Up a jillion and seven. That's too many. Too many to think about. All right, so kids, let's jump right into it, okay? And and the most important thing to talk about this week is I finally watched the the uh, He Man Revelations uh, Netflix show, uh, produced by Kevin Smith. I didn't know that was the number one trending topic of the week, sir. Holy ballsack! That's good. Look, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Like, th for some reason, I don't know what's going on, but Everybody and their effing mother doing like remakes of like the 80s cartoons. And so there's like, I don't know, there's like four and there's about to be five different versions of He-Man. There's like a bajillion versions of Transformers, you know, but uh, Revelations by far was a very nice, pleasant surprise. And the voice acting on it wasn't too shabby either. So... I recommend. It's only five. It's only five episodes. The first season, only five episodes, and I can't wait to see the second season. Nice. Yes. But anyways, now that I got that out of the way, let's get into some other topics, shall we? All right. So uh, I feel like you know we've we've always got to have some company that is in the crosshairs for doing something stupid or just being total bastards and this week ladies and gentlemen it is ubisoft uh and and uh specifically it is the ubisoft studio that's in singapore um here's the following rev revelation about the studio's office culture ubisoft singapore has always been kind of known internally to be one of the worst ubisoft studios in terms of culture uh, said one former developer, um, people would visit from other studios and be like, what the fuck is wrong here? Uh, they are currently uh, in the crosshairs for the Triparatit Alliance for Fair and Progressive Employment Practices. So That's it's yet another... Yeah. But so it's yet another one of those, uh, you know, business practices uh people doing shit wrong. Uh, but good Lord. I mean, good Lord. I, I don't even know what to say at this point. I mean, stop being dicks. I mean, also, this is also a, a quick thing besides not being total douchebags, uh, in the workplace, get your vaccine and wear a mask. There's my two cents. So is there something about, the gaming culture that draws people to be like in the actual work environment to A, be dickwads and think it's okay. It's almost like 
you it's almost like at the top there's like an echo chamber where you know people are stupid yep. um from a morale standpoint morality perspective mm-hmm. but there's nobody to say no and there's no probably checks or balances and True. i mean what if you also kind of look at a microcosm when we were growing up who what gender played video games what company uh decided which gender they were going to focus on for video games fair that's a good point uh i mean for better or for worse there is that you know perspective of video games are for boys male dominated industry and even look at online gaming yeah. where the vast majority of the vocal players yeah. are male and the worry is always inside of that then corporation or community of any kind, really, to be honest, um, it creates that culture where, you know, people can basically create, it creates a boy zone. Is really yeah, what it's absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a boys only club. Yep. And it just gets worse. I mean, you think about it, like, you know, these comments are coming to light because of it's just my ice cubes. It's fine. Um, it comes to light because, you know, People are finally saying something. But you think about like, you know, I think about a good old boys club. I think of two things. One is fraternities and two is country clubs. Yes. Uh, I mean, you think of fraternities, you're in college, people do stupid shit. But then not all fraternities do stupid shit. What's that? I said not all fraternities do stupid shit, but there are fraternity members who are going to do stupid shit. Well, you could use the same argument for corporations. You could then therefore say, Blizzard doesn't do stupid shit. It's people inside the corporation do it. All right, fine. Okay, I'm trying to save my, I'm trying to save face a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. I was in a fraternity. Uh, I didn't do stupid shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I, I was witness to some stupid shit, but it wasn't my fraternity that was doing it. (laughs) But then you get to, you know, you get, you know, people in college, they do stupid stuff. Life goes on. But then you particularly get to the real, what's called the real world, and basically graduate into country clubs. I mean, that's the reality of a lot of these fraternities. It becomes the Bodo Goy Club, um, particularly when big money is involved at some of your certain schools. Yeah, okay, there um, we go. That that right there, big money. Now, I'm going to remove fraternity, and I'm going to just say boys clubs. But it's because, also the networking part too. No, no, I'm just you know these people. Right, but I, I, I you know, I, I, the, there is definitely a, a, a demographic of like-minded male individuals who, once they get, you know, if they've got the money and they get the power, then they can get away with anything. I'm talking about all those wonderful douchebags that get away with things that wreck individuals' lives in college, <clears throat> i.e., they rape girls and then get a slap on the wrist instead of going to prison because the judge decides he's got so much more of his life to live. Sorry, and but then bullshit. Then you local country clubs. Exactly. And no, no, you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, and, the, and the problem is, uh, that unless this, sh- okay, here's, here's something that I've learned the hard way. And that is that it's, you have the best of intentions to be proactive in everything that happens in your life. But the, but the honest answer, the honest thing about your life is we are reactive individuals. 
So we ain't going to change shit until someone makes a big deal of it. And so I, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I'm all for, you know, equal wages, uh, you know, level the playing field, any race, uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, age, whatever. If you could do, here's my deal. If you could do the job, you know, you should be paid for doing the job. Now, um, if shit is going down, that's bad in the work, uh, in the work environment, you should be able to tell people and not get a slip and not have the person who is the issue get a slap on the wrist or get reshuffled inside their organization or whatever. But the problem is, um, as long as a company's making money and they can bury all the bad stuff, nothing's going to change. But when all this shit starts coming to light, you gotta, you gotta wonder how much of this is actually the unfortunate. And this is the really sad thing is how much is this actually going to change things? Because now you've got a bunch of companies that are coming out going, you know, unfair uh, hiring practices, you know, sexism, uh, sexual harassment, all that stuff. But, I mean, it it's basically all you're hearing from the companies who get, you know, are in the crosshair. But what about the companies that aren't in the crosshairs but have those type of practices? Are they shaking in their boots and they're going, well, that, you know, that's they were just being blatant about it. We're, we're much better. We're a much better company than they are. Uh, honestly, I don't think it'll change much. I don't, um, I, I unfortunately think so as I well. Think it'll, it'll take a actual generational change. Um, and by that, I mean, is it will require basically a new group of people with a different way of thinking about how to interact with the world. Um, for there to actually be any kind of substantive change, um, particularly in the world of gaming, um, that's well, in, in the world period. I mean, there. Yes, gaming, uh, the game industry, both for developers and for gamers, is a very sexist environment and a very toxic environment. If we, if you, we want to be honest. I think it's also hyper highlighted because of social media, like. You know, I think like there's not daily social media posts about um, Walmart in their work conditions. There's not, you know, people coming out of limelight about how are they treated at Applebee's as servers. Yeah, because, because they would they would get fired the next day. Yeah, and that's not exciting, right? Like that's but one of the things that's always in this news is games. Like that's right. a forefront of daily social interaction and communication. So I think there's also a little bit of, yes, you're absolutely right. If a waiter says something, they're going to get fired. I saw it at my job uh, when I was a waiter. Um, but yeah, I think there's also that dynamic where video games is, you know, even beyond the sexism part, it's such a hyper social industry where if there maybe is an industry of the chances of it coming to light, I don't know if it's going to change anything, right? but at least if these things come to light, it probably is the video game industry um, because it is such a social industry in nature based on the product they're creating. Well, I would say, I would say yes. And I also think that um, with the, the real staying power of all these streaming services, I think that also the parts of the TV and movie industry are starting to get into that spotlight as well because 
you know, you've got all these like pet projects are getting a lot of money and, you know, that if there's someone attached to it who is not good, then shit goes haywire. I mean, they're, the, the, the amount of time for them to pull the trigger on something is much, much, much faster than it was three years ago. But even then, you even look at, um, oh, shoot, what's the name of the director who's like absconded to France? Roman Polanski? Is yeah. that it? Yeah, yeah. But, like it's a known fact of the terrible things he did to females. And yet how many actresses have actually in vivid detail said anything about what he's done right or actually come out and be like this is what happened even though we know what happened they don't uh, want to be blacklisted yeah so that's the unfortunate i mean hell johnny depp has basically been blacklisted when he was the one who was actually assaulted um depending on the news you read i guess right well I, it de- actually I, I think still- it depends on the hour he yeah, hit so her so- then she beat the shit out of him then she beat the shit out of him some more then he smacked her back you know the, but that's the, the tough part is, I mean, it's still a, like, you know, take in this case, acting, and it's still a male-dominated industry. Absolutely. Um, I remember somebody made a comment one time, and it was basically the effect of, well, she also had to make the choice to sleep with them, so why is it such a big deal? And I'm like, really? Like, what do you think would have happened if she declined to sleep with them? She'd be out of the industry. Yeah, like it would be. It's not like she wouldn't. It's it's not just she wouldn't get the part. I mean, she'd yeah. probably have to go back to like uh, local stage theater. Yeah, it's not just a simple. Uh, it's not like, you know, the all these hot young actresses are begging to sleep with the directors. It's very much the power play of. Unfortunately, in some cases, they don't have a choice if they want to keep on doing their thing. Um, I mean, there's what? some actresses who have been able to get the power to not have to deal with that um in a way weird kind of way i wonder if nowadays it almost helps to be a child actress because you think of somebody um hermione have a whole brain fight on her name um oh if you had if you uh, now of course like, I'm, somebody right. like her emma watson yes thank you she probably had the power now to basically be able to like ha no i'm not playing that game but if you're trying to break True. into the acting industry, like in your 20s, where you didn't have that youth to protect you, but even then, the youth doesn't always protect you, unfortunately. Well, I think um, I think it's changed, you know, in the past, uh, let's say, 15 years. I think that if you were a, uh, a child actor or actress back in, like, the early 90s, I think you'd, well, I mean, we've seen what's happened to some of those people. They are messed up. True. So, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the terrifying thing and the beautiful thing is that we live in an instant society where social media can come up anywhere. Pictures, um, you know, stories, videos, uh, allegations. And the thing is, we are, we have, you know, this instant news cycle that if someone says that they thought someone did something or said something, that person... Could you get cancel culture, um, for the most part? Um, now, of course, there are certain I, I'll call them uh, media deities that sometimes stuff does not stick to. But you know, so uh, what do you think of the? Does that outweigh the pro potentially of 
the fact that there is an avenue to speak out that otherwise did not exist. Uh, because there was a time when, like, if you were, you know, let's just say molested or mm-hmm. abused or other case, maybe you didn't have an avenue, but now they can be public about it. Right. But... Before there maybe wasn't a way. Right. There, there is absolutely an avenue, but the, but it really depends on who picks up the story. I mean, the thing is, when you air that kind of stuff, that very sensitive, very emotional stuff, there's a chance that, you know, you're going to have uh, naysayers uh, or trolls um, or those who will try to, instead of, you know, um, uh, um, you know, support you and cheer that you're strong enough to do this, they'll actually back the abuser going, there's no way he would ever do that. He's such a good person or she's such a good person or whatever. It's, yes, there, for better or for worse, it's really hard to hide shit now. You got to be really good at it. And still, you know, I mean, I, I was watching a, a comedy special the other day about uh, with uh, Kevin Hart. And he said that, He's like, I don't go anywhere because I, I'm, I'm afraid that someone, you know, I'm going to be standing on a street corner and make like accidentally make an ugly face. And then someone is going to be like, oh my God, he hates that person standing next to him. Cancel him. He's like, I don't, I, I'll just stay in my house. He's like, y'all crazy. It's true. We are crazy. Cause we want our, we, we, we all have, uh, most of us want our 15 seconds of fame. Uh, we uncovered how crazy this person is and or whatever. It's, yeah. No, it's a, I mean, it's very different. And I mean, even you think about, and it's also kind of the reverse is true, which means you think about it, like, you know, you see it in the students nowadays where they're raised in this constant 24-7 of online culture. Yep which the reality is it creates an entirely different way, different way of interacting the world that really we just can't comprehend because that's just what you grow up in. We can read about it, we can understand it, but it's a very different of reading about it versus actually that is, it's like a different way your brain is formed, really. Here, as here's- As far as how you interact with what's going on around you. Yes, this digital interaction is very, it, it, look, I we have a freaking show that we do almost every Thursday. I stream games. I write up articles and opinions and reviews and stuff. But this digital only interaction still baffles my mind. If if I could or if it was possible, Zelius and I would be doing this from a bar every single time. I mean, I have the bar right here, my friend. I do not have my shot glass near me, but I will remedy that by the end of the show. How about that? Um, but yeah, the, what I, okay, here's, here's my old man speech here. What I don't understand is how kids still don't understand that you don't need to post everything on social media. And once you've posted it, it's there forever. The thing is, I don't think it's a matter of understanding. It's a matter of, it doesn't, it's like, they don't see that as being a problem because that is the culture that they live in. I mean, I see it on our student phones where it's like every phone by the end of the day has like 80 Snapchat messages. 
that's it's almost like think about it, like back in the day, right? Yep. You did AOL Instant Messenger. Aim, baby. I don't call it AOL Instant Messenger. That's way too. That's a mouthful. Oh. Aim. Um, so, but think about like we basically we couldn't do aim unless we were sitting at our honking desktops, right? Yep. We didn't have mm-hmm. no fancy cell phones to be able to flip up and do our T9 texting to our aimbot friend uh, or answer Charlie's trivia questions on the road. Yeah, we were sitting on our damn computers to do it. I forgot but, I did trivia questions. What's that? I said I forgot that I did trivia questions. Oh, no, those were fun because I remember we would all be like, we would answer your... Those are, that's like the best part of AIM was like people's away messages. Yep. Um, It was like almost like the precursor of like Facebook status messages, really. Yeah. Um, but you had to be original. Anyways, like, but that was a very segmented part of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. You couldn't mm-hmm. do AIM unless you did it. But in a way, like I know for myself... Like I was almost in a different frame of mind when I was on AIM. Like even the way I texted, not texted, typed to people mm-hmm. um, or like chatted with them and going to those chat groups where they maxed out, well, it was like 24 people or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, it was even like my brain operated differently when I was in those messaging systems like AIM or IRC. BBS, baby. <laughs> bring up the old, go for me. Yeah. Um, telnetting, actually, that'd be realistic. Telnetting or our muds. Yeah, buddy. Did you ever do mudding? Yeah. So for those who do, don't know, muds, I don't remember what it actually stands for, but basically the old school RPGs were muds, were basically they were text-based adventure games. Um, and depending on the complexity of the mud, would be like literally completely text-based, almost like a Zork, which if you don't know what Zork is. Multi-user it's- dungeon. Thank you. Multi-user dungeon, but it was like one of the very first online, really first MMOs, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they varied anywhere from 100% text-based, you know, multi-user dungeons to you would have basically ASCII dungeons. To go yes, through. yes. Uh, and those the were ASCII. Awesome. But like, it was even like a flip of the brains. Whereas nowadays you have kids where like that flip of their brain is 24/7. Yeah. It's like even different, like. I think you and I could differentiate between our online brain and our, you know, in-person brain. It was like almost two different people. One uh, can one can drink alcohol and clink actual glasses. The other one can drink alcohol and you'll just have to pretend to hear the sound of clinking glasses. Yes. But like now that almost two different worlds is blended. It's one. Yeah. So I think that's the thing is like, because that online world and real life world are like the same world, they honestly don't see a differentiation between me talking with you. Let's say you're actually in person at the bar, right? Me and you talking, and me and you Snapchatting or talking on Facebook, it's the exact same thing. Like there's literally no difference. So I think that's a big thing. Is so yes, we tell the kids over and over, you know, what do you post online? It's permanent. Don't be stupid. Like. I think it's sometimes just just a register because it's the same world. There is no differentiation. So what does it matter? Um, It's just, it's a different culture. And, you know, and the reality is, I mean, you think about it, like think about when you're, you know, 14 years old Mm -hmm. and you have somebody telling you for the 20th time, what was stupid shit we did when we were 14 that our parents told us not to do over and over. Stop burning your religion textbooks. Well, I was thinking of don't burn down the house. <laughs> we were bad. It was actually the first thing that came to my mind, yes. Um, 
<laughs> but like after a while, like you just tune it out, right? And the same thing probably for kids. Like they've heard for the 20th time, don't post private stuff online. And by the context of online, I mean Snapchat or anything you think is private. Right. Um, but the Nothing is private, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing is private. Nothing is private. But like we're old. Like to kids, we're old. That's just reality. Yeah, God, where's my walker? They hear it, and it just doesn't register. And I think that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a whole lot's going to change that. To like, be to... it's it's a different world that really we have to acclimate to. It's not the one they're around. It's not like the young kids have to acclimate to us. Really, it's us in our generation. It's really. You know, I think you got basically now the younger generation coming into the workforce who want things like, you know, lessened hours and they're going to job every year, every two years that, yep. you know, to our parents were a foreign concept. The reality yeah, you, is the you, you were at your job for life. Yeah. You, the workforce will change to them, not the other way, not the other way around. Yeah. You know, to be actually, I would take it a step further. I think that the, the in-person you know, it's for us, it's more in person and then like the digital, uh, you know, basically relationship with the world is what's happening now. And I think that it's actually going to become more digital and less face to face. Yes, COVID has definitely kickstarted. I mean, yeah. really pushed that shit down the line. But I think that that face to face interactions is becoming a weird concept for some people because they're like, I, I just. All I, all I got to do is just, you know, just type it out on my phone. I don't have to actually talk to them. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's different. Um, and I do think, you know, I think the flip side is, I do think it's weird things like, you know, especially when you're in school, being involved in clubs and activities and sports is honestly probably more important than ever. Um, yeah. To get those social skills, because, I mean, you can't, like basketball, it's in person, right? We do for now. It's in per. Well, I hope it stays in person. It, we're, in person. They're all going to be controlled robots. Um, even doing like even you'll appreciate, right? like our esports, they do in person. Like you actually are there in your squad of three, like yelling at your neighbor, snipe better or whatever you're doing, right? So I think he's camping. Around, whether you're doing, you know, a traditional sport or a e-sport or somewhere in between, I think as a student doing those non, not going home and playing Fortnite, and that's your only interaction and having that in-person social interaction, even beyond the classroom. Because, I mean, as much technology as classrooms, the classroom hasn't changed a whole, a whole lot since you and I were in school, meaning it's still very not interpersonal with your neighbors. It's still very much the teacher on the stage. I'm going to sit here in my silo. You know, you and I, we were writing papers. Now they're just typing papers. Um, and so I think. Now there's a, there's, there's a concept that's gotten really strange writing by hand or hell cursive writing. I can barely write. It's actually like, I've never had good handwriting. I fully, yes, I I will fully support that statement, (laughs) but even now, like, it's got like I can at least like used to be able to like write it a straight line. Now it's like just like curved and like it's like a maze. Like I write like I'm drunk and I'm not. And I just, uh, my my uh my letters just change sizes. 
Like I'll I'll start at one at one size handwritten font, and then all of a sudden it either gets a little bit bigger or gets a little smaller, or it start you know the letters get squished together. There's no consistency. I think the key thing is that it's recognizing not that the kids can't go home and play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the problem. I think the you have to realize that's going to happen no matter what we do as adults. Right. It's put this kid, the kids in situations like after school sports, like your kids go to do the um, clubs and they do the summer camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, recognize understanding they're going to do the video game things, but also giving them those other avenues of socializing with other human beings is super crucial. Agreed. While still let them do the fun electronic things kids want to do. It's there's always the balance between the two. It's not just one or the other. So kids, just in case you're curious what clubs I was in, I was a uh, cross country. I played rec basketball. Uh, I was a basketball. I was a, um, uh, I was the varsity men's basketball statistician. Uh, I ran track and field. Uh, I did some wrestling in there. Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah, I think it, I think it's about, uh, oh, I was also at science club. Science Club! Just think of it this way. Or is that different? Huh? Was that Science Olympiad or is that different? I think it's different. Science Club was just, you you met, we, I think it's like every uh, Thursday we had like an activity period. That's when the clubs meet. Oh, yeah. And you have to complete one Science Club uh, contest. uh, And then you, you gain the right to take a day to go to a museum. That's actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. We went to Fernbank a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was easy. Now you guys can go to tell us. I need to go there. Uh, I've never been. I was, uh, I was supposed to go, but I got really sick. And so my mom and her husband, I think Julia and the boys, they all went up there without me. <gasps> but, you, um, you know what I really miss? Hmm. Sidetrack? Side yes. Sidetrack was the coolest. Yes, it was. Because they have like all the really fun, like hands-on experiments. They can basically just do stuff with like the kinesthetic stuff with your hands. It was so cool. Exactly. Exactly. Zelius, cheers. Cheers, sir. Tink. So the big difference between Charlie and I when it comes to the uh, the liquor is Charlie's drink is gone. And I'm a sipper. I like to wet my throat throughout the entire show with a little splash of the gullet. That went down a little bit wrong. Woo! Yeah. God dang. That'll put some hair on your chest. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pause for just a second to do some uh, friends of the show. Uh, If you'd like to be a friend of the show, then um, just tune in and make sure that you listen to the Patreon pitch that I'm going to give you after the friends of the show. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me go with the first one. That, of course, is the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts that challenge the paradigm of the common. 
They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. If you'd like more information, go to IndieCluster.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-C-L-U-S-T-E-R.com. Now, of course, the next one has to be my the one and only chiropractic, uh, mobile chiropractic practice that comes to see me forever. It feels like at this point, and that of course is Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore. The company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. If you need more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. Now, we, of course, the, the newbie to the group, well, I guess it's not really a newbie at this point, but ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about Noodle Boy Media. Noodle Boy Media was founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran. Uh, it was previously known as Black Kid 47 Media. It is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. And they, they've done, they do a lot of anime conventions around the Southeast. <clears throat> and they do a hell of a good job. Just in case you're wondering. What I always wonder. Yeah. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, those are the friends of the show. And, of course, now we got to do some of our uh, Alter Confusion shout outs. And let's start with. I already hinted at Patreon. So, let's just start with the Patreon one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion survives on love and support of fans like you. And so, we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fans, supporters, lovers, haters, killers, uh, Aliens, uh, monsters, uh, pegasi, pegasus, Pe what's the plural pegasus of pegasus? Size? Octopi, uh, centauris, all that stuff. Uh, to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. There are currently two tiers. There's a $1 tier, that's $12 a year, which will gain you access early early access to all the playthroughs or selected playthroughs. I'm not going to say all the playthroughs because there are some games that are like over in an hour and I'm not going <laughs> to... That's just a waste. Um, and you also gain the ability to take part in polls and get patron only posts. Uh, if you go with the $5 option, that's $60 a year, uh, you get to be added to the thank you section of every Thursday night hangout. You once you will gain access to the early, uh, the early access to the playthroughs. And of course the, uh, the patron only, uh, post. If you want more information, go to patreoncom slash alter confusion, Patreon spelled P A T R E O N.com slash alter confusion. All right, so um, now this, of course, is dear to Alter Confusion's heart because uh, we've been doing this for 10 years, 
But ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion participates in the fundraising called Extra Life. And this is our 10th year straight. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best, gaming, to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to our chosen hospital, which of course is Children's Healthcare Atlanta, as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion. Now, if you cannot make the donation, but you do want to do something in uh, with uh, Extra Life, perhaps you want to game to, to raise money. Uh, you can sign up either as an individual or as a team, uh, extra-life.org. It doesn't have to be video games. could be board games, could be card games, could be uh, pencil paper RPGs. However, gaming, how, whatever form of gaming is good gaming. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll do it. Why not? Alter Confusion uh, also is willing. No, hold on. If what? what? I'm so confused. Hold on. I'm, I I gotta let's roll this back. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know that sometimes I'll, you cannot perhaps do a financial support for your favorite Thursday night hangout show, but perhaps you want to send something to Alter Confusion for us to show off of the show, unbox. Uh, you know, and basically give you a little extra love for the awesomeness that you sent us. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send a physical item to Alter Confusion, all you got to do is send it to 1551 Dunwoody. That's D U N W O O D Y, Village Parkway. Number, super duper important, number 88276. This is, the, this is the number of the P.O. box. You leave this out, it will not get to us. The city, once again, is Dunwoody. D-U-N-W-O-D-Y, Georgia 30338. Now, let's get back into the news. And the first thing that I have to say is that there is a very distinct possibility that one of my favorite games is finally getting a sequel. Oh. And that is... There is a rumor that Alan Wake 2 is uh, in production. Uh, so what happened was, I can't remember who the original uh, company was that created Alan Wake, um, but that company, I think, went, I think basically sold all their IPs and assets. Uh, and now the, the original developers have regained that um uh the ability to make uh a sequel but right now all they're saying is they've got an unannounced game project uh, alongside epic games and it is, has moved into full production which i am crossing my fingers please be alan wake please be alan wake number two because i how love excited the... would that make you sir huh how excited would that make you exactly that would i would i don't know it would make me so happy I can't even think straight. Could you ever think straight? I'm so confused. Touche, sir. Touche. But seriously, uh, if you haven't played Alan Wake, it's a phenomenal game. Uh, it's a third-person kind of horror game where instead of you, instead of shooting people with a gun, uh, you are basically 
utilizing a flashlight to keep back the darkness. Uh, which ironically, I just finished a game called uh, Song of Horror, which uh, has your character having some sort of light source could be uh, a lighter, a candle, or a torch, which of course is uh, another way of saying uh, flashlight. Mm. And uh, yeah, I completed the that game, uh, Song of Horror. It's messed up. It's messed up, but it's good. It's messed up or not fun messed up? It's a could be frustrating messed up. But spooky and eerie at the same time, because the the inter the like the evil interactions are absolutely one hundred percent random. There are certain places that will always kill you, but there are also random uh, encounters that will f you over. And the game you you have a certain uh, set of characters that you can use for each chapter. There's five chapters, um, and. There's one character named Daniel that if he dies, you got to redo the entire chapter. Now, if you lose a character in that chapter, they're gone forever. Uh, so you got to watch out for that. Like you, just that chapter or? Oh, like no, they're gone forever. Oh, yep. permadeath. Yeah, that permadeath. Uh, but one thing that I did learn, ladies and gentlemen, is if you see a dead character somewhere in the level that you're playing in, leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> Please leave him alone. Why is that? Because they will fuck you up and kill you instantly. Hmm. But anyways, Alan Wake 2, please, for the love of God, make this happen. Make me, make Charlie a very happy person. Now, speaking of games that are getting new life, there is a game out there called... Um, Let's see, uh, Savage Planet. And uh, this was a game that was, I think it came out in 2017, maybe? Journey to the Savage Planet? Okay, so Journey to the Savage Planet is the new one. Ah. So basically, there once upon a time, there was this company called Google. And they uh, decided to have their own stream game streaming um, system. Uh, called Stadia, and they, and they decided to have internal gaming studios create games, which no longer exists. They've destroyed all the in, the internal uh, game developers, and this was one of them. This company was one of them, and they got shut down. Now they've now they've reformed, and they've uh, basically uh, they were Typhoon Studios. They're now called uh, Raccoon Lo Logic, and they have. Um, basically gain, reacquired the rights to Savage Planet, so they are going to make um, Journey to the Savage Planet, which I think it... It's available. Yeah, it's available for PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch. But um, it's always good to see the ability for individuals who worked on a title to regain the ability to further work on that franchise. I'm still waiting on on Disney to uh, Savage Planet. Congratulations on reacquiring it. I would love for Disney to release the uh, uh, the rights, the IP rights of um, Monkey Island back to the creators, uh, but they it's too lucrative for them to give up. 
it's like the same as Fox. Fox is sitting on Firefly because they're because they're still making a shit ton of money off that stuff. Oh, like just think how much money you can make though if you just released it or you did more. Ah! Yes. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. I can't take this shit. Also, for those developers out there, Epic has uh, now has now announced in a closed beta the ability for individuals to self-publish without the requirement of Epic basically uh, gatekeeping. Now, of course, you do have to sign off that it does meet a bunch of criteria, but it you will be able to post your own games. Huh. Does it mean you can finally post uh, Crystal Safari? If it was a computer game, yeah. Wait, you haven't been making a computer game for the last 15 years, dude? What's going on? I'm reviewing games and interviewing indie developers. Exactly. You can review your game and review yourself. Hello, how no. are you doing? No. I'm doing great. No. Thanks for asking. Jesus. What about my video game? I do not need for the voices in my head to start having a conversation with me. Okay. I don't know. I think you already do that. This is just a way to let the Charlie loose, sir. Okay, fine. Whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah. So congratulations to those releasing on the Epic Store. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully you get a good uh, piece of the pie. I don't know what the the breakdown is for. I would assume it's probably seventy thirty, but I could be wrong. That Who's seems down? to be the going rate. Yeah. Now, I did have a question that came in, and I just remembered I should have put it at the beginning of the show, but I'm going to do it now. Uh, the question is, in many game, in, in a lot of the games that are out there today, there's always some sort of mini game feature or, you know, thing that's attached to the game. Uh, you've got a lot of the MMOs have crafting. Uh, or cooking, which I guess is crafting with food. Um, you've got, uh, like, one of the Final Fantasies had a card game built into it. Uh, one of the Final Fantasies had, like, a, a sports game attached to it. Uh, nice. Yeah. So the question that was given to me, that was asked to me, and, and I want to make sure that everyone has a chance to answer, if they want to, is what is that one mini game mechanic that you would like to see in a game that you really enjoy that's not there currently? Yeah, A lot of people say fishing. I, I just don't understand fishing. Because, like, most games, I mean, the reality is I play for the story and the combat um, or even, like, the puzzle part of that, if it's that kind of game, more like a Zelda type of game. Mm-hmm. I don't play them for the side content, mainly because the side content, like, let's just say it's a RPG game, right? That's the yep. concentration and the emphasis of like 95% of the resources is on combat, right? Or right. exploration. Yep. And then to devote like 2% of the resources to this mini game, which makes it basically a shit mini game. Whereas I could play another video game that puts the full emphasis on the sports element. So I'm just going to play this other video game that puts other emphasis on that and does a good job. So for me, the side things, meh. I've never found them very engaging in my video games. I, even crap. And my other problem too is I find most of the time, especially in like single player RPGs, like they're made so that basically you're going to get your gear through questing anyway. So what's the point in crafting? True. I, I think. 
You know, in total honesty, I believe that if you're going to have, um, if you're going to try to include a different, you know, an additional genre or some sort of additional mechanic, it's got to be thought out. You can't just throw it in the last minute because then you really want to do it. For me, the only time that I, because I just, you know, I, I finished playing Scarlet Nexus. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do, I might've done one of the side quests because it had no, it had no true impact. If the side quests help you like significantly help you, then I'm all about it. You know, it's not that I didn't enjoy the game. Hell, I spent 39 hours playing the game, but the side quests were really, to be honest, were like stupid, you know? That was, the, so a game that actually did that was, um, Amalur Kingdom of Reckoning. I'm probably saying that totally butchering. Yeah, Amal- uh, Amalur. Um, the crafting in that game was actually very useful and powerful. But oh. it was also straightforward. Like, to me, like, there wasn't, you had to, like, it just, it was a natural, organic progression in the game. Mm-hmm. It's not like you had to go around to, you know, Ragnarok to collect your lightning sword. And then you had to go to Hades to collect your hilt of hell or something it's just like oh i naturally got these ingredients to create my new fire axe of death sweet i'm gonna craft that no problem so for me a game like that like kingdoms of Amalur, like crafting was just a logical integration that didn't really it just worked um so that's where i don't mind it but just the going around and randomly picking up mats for two hours is not very fun to me well, I mean, for the most part, the uh, Scarlet Nexus has a has a crafting mechanic, and the beautiful the yeah, uh, it's called uh, you do exchange. Oh, I mean exchange, yeah, but yeah. I, I guess I could see that. So, ba- so the the exchange is um, you start with one weapon, and then once new weapons open up, you w- along with some of the the items that you've just collected while going through levels. You know, if you have the the previous level's weapon, it just takes that, builds it, and automatically equips it back to you. Which, yeah. what a concept! <laughs> I'm well, upgrading my weapon. Why? Like, huh? That was like your only way of leveling up your gear. Yeah, exactly. So, like to me, that made sense because I'm like, well, I don't have a choice. So I guess I'll do this. Hooray! Well, actually, technically, you could do with some of the side quests, but like I said, they were just so asinine and weird that I was just like, no. And I. And I grind. I grinded for resources because I was bound and determined to to buy everyone all their gifts. Ah, nice. And some of those gifts are just like some of the materials that you need are just nuts because they just don't drop. But that being did, did said, did you want to level up the friendship level because you wanted to just be the completionist, or was it for the whole like SAS thing to level up their abilities? To level up the SAS, uh, if you got a high enough one, they would uh, pop in and take some serious damage for you. You know, instead of taking like a killer blow, they would just pop up and take it for you. Or there was ability to um, for them to jump in and do their special to kind of kick ass and take names. Um, so I have a question for you about yep. Scarlet Nexus. Yep. It's driving me nuts. Yep. The invisibility. Yes. I cannot backstab. Like, I did it once or twice, and now, like, I'm invisible, and I hold on the button, and, like, nothing happens. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? 
Do you ever have that issue with being able to backstab and like nothing happens or am I just an epic failure at video games? I, I never, I mean, I never really had an issue, so to speak. My, my problem was that there was a very good chance that the, the thing I'm trying to backstab has like, a um, AOE attack, which is, um, area of effect. And just as I'm about ready to backstab him, I become visible because I got poisoned or something. Ah, uh, yeah. But it's, you know, it is annoying because you have to wait for it to base, you know, you're you're holding down one button, it kind of powers up, but then you got to wait for the, the second kind of boop before you release to really kick ass and take names. The thing that really pissed me off and uh, was when the enemies were invisible. Yeah. And if you play as the, the girl... You don't have the the team member that can see that, see those guys until late in the game. Really? Yeah. Because I got like I'm only probably about three hours in on this. You're the I, you played I, as the guy though, right? Yeah, and I've already yeah. He's in your video. squad. He, we're not we're, we're there are two separate squads until late wow. in the game. That's kind of nuts, actually. Yep. But anyways, um, but yeah, I. For me, you know, if, like Zelia said, there are certain games that have crafting in it, but it just doesn't make sense. It's it's busy work. You know, by by the time that you gain all the resources to build the Dark Sword of the Almighty, um, you've probably found a loot drop that has the Dark Sword of the Lord Almighty plus seven. Yeah. You know, there... Now, I mean, because to developers' credit, though, they also make it in a way where you do have multiple avenues of success. But right. for those video game players who want to craft and create their ultimate sword, they could do that. But I think probably the majority of video game players, especially for single-player games, aren't mm -hmm. going to do much crafting unless it's a game like Kingdoms of Amalur just smacks you in your face. Or in the case of Scarlet Nexus, I would say that's also they smack you in the face type of crafting. Mm -hmm. But if it's like you have to grind to do that, that's like the trailing curve of players. Yeah. We're going to do that. Most players are just going to get the items that you pick up naturally from defeating enemies and bosses. And I think most games are tuned that that's all you really need to succeed in the game. Well, to be honest with you in those games where you've got to like collect five dragon fangs and 13 ham sandwiches and five eyeballs of fish to make, I don't know, a shield of justice, which makes no sense whatsoever. I would, I usually just in those type of games, I literally just sell all the crafting material I've got, which gives me a shit ton of money. And I'll just <laughs> buy the damn thing from the store. Like, what Oh, geez. Being a capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> giving money to the economy and making it go. Exactly. No, I was um, I was actually watching a um, uh, a skit on Facebook today about like insane crafting. He's like, in order to make this great sword of of awesomeness, you need the uh, ashes of a of a fallen ghost. And the guy's like, okay, yep, that's that makes sense. You need the the sword pommel of a undead knight. Okay, cool. You need an old shoe. I'm sorry, what? An old shoe. Okay, sure, why not? You need crispy bacon. Okay, what? He's like, you need 
Four eyes of frogs. What does that have to do with the sword? You also need... He just starts rambling eyes. He's like, he's like you know what? F it. I don't care. I, I'll just... I, I will find another weapon. I don't I don't want this. Well, and it's true. You'll get it like in a game. Like, to your point, though, I have to create the ultimate sword of plus four. It'll be like... It lists like the six items, and you're missing like one frog's tooth. Yes. Jesus and it's like... Christ. Where the hell do I get one frog's tooth from? Versus mm -hmm. like Kings of Amalur, I liked because you literally like you select your pommel. Okay, I'll select one of these items in my max list. Mm -hmm. Select one pommel or, or select like one like shaft sword. I'll select this one because it's my inventory. Right. So it's very straightforward of like what are you crafting versus I want to craft this weapon, but there's random materials that I get from someplace in the game. That, have, so that, that really don't game. make yeah. logical sense yeah. at all. Or like just where like I don't want to have to go open up Wikipedia to find out where to go grinding for mats either. Like that's not either enticing anymore. At one time of my life, I would fall along with game facts. So where to go for every last nook and cranny. But that time has long since passed. Well, Game Facts is a, is a shadow of its of its former self as well. So, I mean, think about it. I mean, back in the day, you'd have like the insane like four hundred page, mm -hmm. like full five star guide of excruciating detail. I mean, yep. I can't imagine the number of hours some of these people put into their video games. It's a thing not of love, to, man. Not just to play the game. I mean to find every little look and cranny, but the time it took to literally write these volumes of mm -hmm. text mm -hmm. of completion was really quite, and for no money, it's not like they're making money off of it. Um, it was really quite extraordinary. Um, especially think of a game like, let's just say like Final Fantasy X, that was like, I don't know, it's like 60 hours, I'm guessing, because it's a Final Fantasy game. I think about the amount of time it took people to, just not even play the game just to write the damn guides. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fully agree. I mean, I, I got no qualms with that. Uh, though, uh, shoot, I had, there was a follow-up question I just had. Now it's, now it's gone. It had something to do with crafting. Oh, uh, some, some games have taken the route of instead of, um, you know, having a very specific a set of random ass shit that you have to use, you you gain um, you basically collect a bunch of differing uh blades and hilts and pommels for swords, and you try to uh and and some kind of magical gem, and you have to combine it, and there's a chance that the that because of the quality of the goods uh, or the pieces that you put there, you're going to get a stronger sword than if you use the, the crappy stuff. So the better the material, the better chance to have an awesome like sword. Uh, what do you think of that, Zelius? No, so I Googled like the longest game facts guide yep. and I never played it, but apparently I actually just pulled it up and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably actually going to pronounce this correctly, but Diskia, Diska, Diskaya, Diskaya 2 is over a thousand pages. It, 
think of Final Fantasy Tactics, but with a different set of characters. Uh, it's a tactics the game. Basically, like, is what was it? Um, Dragon's Quest Nine. I mean, natural assumption of yeah. longest is four hundred forty-eight pages alone. Because <laughs> like, this open world. That's just insane. Yeah, yeah. So that that's what I was getting intrigued on was really long game facts guides. Somebody might mention Final Fantasy X, which is not surprising. Yep. Because um, that's just also an amazing game, by the way. Um, some would argue the best of the series. Sure. I mean, everybody's going to have their opinions, obviously. I know Seven is always a beloved, but I still tear games. up. I still tear up during uh, Aerith's theme. Okay. Yes. Okay, so two questions about Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. One is, is it, is there a bit of rose-tinted glasses there? Because it's kind of one of the first true 3D typo MMO, I'm mean, not MMOs, goodness, RPGs. And two, yes, you obviously had the Ares scene, which was like WTF, oh, what? So from that perspective, yes, absolutely. Um like, I wonder if, because now you have other video games that have also kind of done the same thing, um, where, you know, they'll kill off vital characters. Would Final Fantasy VII, with the mm-hmm. same storyline that came up today, would it be as popular? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think that, you know, for what it was, I mean, Final Fantasy VII is the reason why I got a PlayStation. Um, I know a lot of people. Yeah, Absolutely. no, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I, I think back then, what the story was was phenomenal. It's amazing. Now, of course, in nostalgia, we're we're filling gaps, and and I know that I'm filling gaps, and there was yeah. definitely holes in the story, and I do, you know, I'm I'm still a little hesitant with this like episodic release of of Final Fantasy VII, but at the same time, you know, upgraded graphics phenomenal, uh, and then fleshing out some of the story that was a little lacking. All right. So if, if 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 we're talking about the remastering of Final Fantasy that we're seeing right now with the episodic releases, I think that would stand now. If we're talking about the original Final Fantasy and its PlayStation 1 version, you know, form, uh, let's say we upgrade the graphics but keep the storyline, I don't think it would have the same impact. And from what I've read is people have really enjoyed the so far remake of Final Fantasy VII. That people have been um, eating it up. Yeah, for everything I've read, it's been Square Enix did a great job of the remake. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's definitely like one of those that I would wait for all the episodics to come out um, if I were to get it. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. Um, I, of course, would have to have a PlayStation in order to play it, unless you know Square Enix wants to release it on another platform. It's on Steam. The new Final Fantasy. Uh, no, yeah. no, it's the play. I thought it was PlayStation exclusive. No, I thought. Let me check. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on. Jesus, if it is, then I've just uh, you're gonna see. You're not gonna see me for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's on there. Wait, hold on. Oh, you know what? This is the OG version, released yeah. 2013. Yep. Nope, I, I thought it was on PC. I'm Mm-mm. incorrect. No, it's PlayStation. I did not know that. Uh, speaking of games on Steam, uh, as promised, I've started playing Retro Machina. 
which is the that indie game that I've been, uh, you know, kind of really excited for its release and then uh, wanting to play it. Uh, it's a really good game. Uh, I've put over six hours into it. Um, I've beaten two of the the I guess worlds or areas. Um, there, it's it's pretty heavy on on the puzzle aspect, but there's also a lot of combat as well. And I love the fact that your character can, if while another robot is in range, you can potentially take control of that robot and it could fight for you. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I probably should not have taken three hours on the first area because I got lost. I couldn't figure out what the hell to do. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, it's, it's a solid game. I mean, it's, uh, those that are patrons will get a, uh, early access playthrough of it. And, uh, those patrons out there will have the early access to, uh, the beast within, uh, until I'm done with, uh, retro Makina and then I'll flip it. Nice. Uh, but also look out for a review for uh, Song of Horror. And there's a, there's a couple other games that I have my eyes on. Uh, I was, there's um, there's a game called Heaven's Vault that's always had high ratings that I'll probably give it a shot. And then there's Detective D of the Silk Rose Murders. And that's really harks back to the uh, the olden days with its look of like, you know, um, point-click adventure games of, like, the late 80s. So, we'll see. Um, but yeah, for those that tuned in to the final chapter of Song of Horror, I hope that I didn't scream like a little girl too much, but there was some scary-ass shit that went down. Do you scream in your brain, or do you scream out loud? Oh, no, I screamed out loud. Nice. And I did scream in frustration and had a very lengthy um, uh, mm, how do I put this? Uh, I strung together a lot of curse words with a lot so of scared, energy. You, to, you know, go cry to your wife. There's nothing wrong with crying. No, 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 no. When, when, when the string of curse words came out, it was because all my characters died. Oh. And I had to redo the entire chapter. That's unfortunate. Yeah, because the, uh, I think it was either the fourth or the fifth chapter, I literally was two little things away when I lost my final character, and I had to redo the whole thing, and I wanted to cry so well, bad. Why did all your characters die, sir? Random encounter with the evil spirits, and I, I couldn't get away from them. That's horrible. Yes, it is. Because as you go through the game, the random encounters get more intense and they get more varied. And one of them doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it's there. Does life ever truly make sense? No, but I will, I will tell you this about the game. The one thing that I found funny uh, is that the character always holds the light source in the left hand until they open the doors. They switch it to their right hand to open the door with their left and as soon as they're through the door, they put their light source back in their left hand. 
Hmm. I was like, just hold it in your right then. <laughs> or use your right hand to open a door. Me don't understand. Really you that much? Yes. I was like, I don't... Who the hell does that? Apparently your character does, good sir. Also, I want to... who how uh, Wherever they they make those candles and that lighter that they use in the game. I need that because the damn thing never burnt down or ran out of gas for like an hour and a half and it didn't burn someone's hand. You could probably find one at your local sporting goods store. No, they all heat up. Ah, well, what if you wrapped your hand in ice? Pretty sure it would just melt it at some point. What about dry ice? Pretty sure you would burn your hand before the flame burned your hand. What about flame retardant? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, okay, so one more thing. One more interesting thing about, or, or gripe, I should say, about this game is that, okay, so there are characters that you're going to, that your light source is going to be a lighter. And there's characters that your light source is going to be a candle, okay? There is a shit ton of unlit candles that are sprinkled throughout every single le level. Why the fuck can't I light them? Hmm. I don't understand. I, I could light this place up really easy if, just, if I could just tip the candle on the other candles or use the lighter on the other stuff. What is there truly to understand, sir? I don't know, but if you ever play Song of Horror, I recommend that every single time you see a door that you've never gone into, listen through the door and make sure that it's quiet. Because if it isn't quiet, you're going to die. What if I have my earbuds in? Uh, you're going to die. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Also, I really wish that they would have, if they had the ability to turn down sensitivity on the controller. Hmm. But anyways... Um, I'm trying to think if we, if I have any closing remarks, Zelius, any closing a remarks sir? Week to live. Sure. That's all I got. Okay. I'm happy to be alive. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning into the Alter Confusion Thursday night hangout for myself, Charlie and Zelius. It's been a pleasure giving everything on our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts will be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday night hangout. Remember, kids, keep on gaming and the free world. Amen to that, brother. <laughs>